The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 294. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page at Brian McClanahan. You can find all those social media accounts at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. When you do enroll, you get a free course. Just click on that 10 Myths of American History. It's yours as my gift to you for enrolling in McClanahan Academy. And of course, I do have courses available for purchase. So if you like this podcast, if you like what I do, consider purchasing a course. It is a great way to support the show. And you get something really great out of it, which is an awesome course. So you can also support the show by going to brianmclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Of course, if you do subscribe at YouTube, if you click on those advertisements, it also helps support the show. Lots of great ways to support the show. Really painless for you to do it just by watching or clicking on those ads or letting the ads run for a few minutes on YouTube. Also, you can get your Brian McClanahan Show gear with my logo on it by going to brianmcclanahan.com, clicking on that shop tab. It'll take you right out to my web store. You can get that logo that I have with the snake on it, or you can get the Think Locally, Act Locally logo. Either one. It's a great way to support the show. Get a few bucks out of it, a few pennies in time. So whatever you get, lots of cool stuff there. T-shirts, stickers, skins for your electronic devices, all kinds of great stuff. So think about getting your Brian McClanahan show apparel or gear. And of course, when you do like the podcast, share it around on social media, rate it on your favorite podcast website, go to anchor.fm. Leave a review there. Lots of great ways to get involved. This is an organic show, so if you want to see something or hear something on the podcast, also shoot me an email. Just go to my website and click on that contact tab, and I'll get your email. I may not respond to it, but I do get it. If you want to make the show better, you got to give me something I can talk about for about 30 minutes. Okay, so make the show better. Make suggestions. I do read them, and I do appreciate it, and I do appreciate everyone listening to the show. So, um, anything you can do to help spread the word, think locally, act locally, is much appreciated. Okay, topic for the day is this new book that's been out, or that's coming out, on George Washington. I guess it is out now, on George Washington. And this is an article from Time Magazine focusing on the book itself and the author. Um, I find this subject pretty fascinating because uh, this is a straw man book. What do I mean by that? The entire premise of the book is based on a false reality. A convenient straw man to put up and then push down and make a book that is uh, stuff that everybody's already said before. Now, I know at times that some of the things that I've written, or some of the, like for example, the Politically Incorrect series, was called a straw man series. I mean, people have called it that. Well, the people people say these things. Historians say these things. They're, they're aware of the complexities. Well, of course they are. But the problem is they're aware of the complexities, but they don't tell the negative side. 
or I'm sorry, the positive side. They tell the negative side. They don't tell the positive side on some of the subjects that are in that Politically Incorrect Guide series. Um, so when you look at this particular book, and I'm going to talk about what it is in a second, the entire premise is to sell books, which I, I fully understand. I mean, look, you want to sell books. You want to have something that's shocking. You want to have something that's going to engage people and get them thinking, well, I've never heard that before. I want to go out and buy that book. The problem is that all of this has been said before. Even I've said some of these things before in books that are supposed to not say these things. So the title of this particular piece in Time Magazine is, quote, History has been told about men for men by men. How one historian wants to bring a new perspective to George Washington. So the book is on George Washington. And uh, the... The title is just ridiculously stupid, and I'm going to explain why in a minute. Okay, there's so many things wrong with this piece, so many things wrong with this premise, so many things wrong with this whole idea that uh, it really doesn't deserve the time and space and ink spilled on it. In fact, the, um, the slug for the article is New George Washington Biography Aims to Change Dad History. Now think about what's going on here. The left likes to say there's no attack on men in society. We're not really doing that. We're not attacking any of this. But look at the entire premise, the slug, and then the title. The thing they're trying to convey is that men write bad history. Men... Write dad history. We don't need dad history. We don't need dads. We don't need men. We don't need any of these things. In fact, if women just got together and wrote this stuff, it would be so much different than it is now. If just women wrote things, things would be better in the world. If just women did all these things, everything would be better. And they get away with it. But imagine if it was reversed and said, "We're gonna history has been told about women by women or for women by women. Imagine if men, if a man actually had the audacity to say something like that. Or we need to get rid of mom history. I mean, we need to we aim, aim to take down, to change mom history. Now imagine the backlash that would come from something like that. This is an assault on, of course, traditional masculinity and uh, traditional history. And... Somehow this is supposed to be new. This has been going on for nearly 50 years. As we got to the 1960s, and as you saw the rise of the new progressive left back in the 1960s, they began doing this wholesale, right? In fact, <clears throat> I would challenge anyone to show me a historian who's gone through a graduate program in the modern United States that's gotten a job based on writing traditional history where it's not trying to take down dad history, right? Is there anyone out there that's written a traditional biography of George Washington that's laudatory of George Washington, that says all the right things about George Washington, which, I mean, there's a lot right to say about him, that is going to get a job based on that particular book? Look at your fields that are available for, uh, for hiring at this particular point, and show me where traditional history is even wanted anymore. You see, this is the dirty little secret. You can't get a job writing traditional history. You can't get a job doing anything traditional anymore in the historical profession. 
all you can do is get a job writing stuff like this. So it's a complete straw man. It's a horrible argument. It doesn't make any sense. I haven't even gotten to the piece yet, but this is the entire premise of it. We've been, we're just saturated with dad history, with male history. We don't teach any of this other stuff. We teach it all the time. That's all they get now. I mean, look, and I'll be talking about the 1619 Project again in another uh, podcast episode. But the fact is, the premise of the 1619 Project is nobody's been teaching African American history ever. We, they don't teach it. They teach it all the time. I mean, this these straw man arguments are designed to create shock and to get people, oh, oh wait, well, I mean, um, we, we, we shouldn't be teaching so much about George Washington. Or about, uh, I mean, we're not doing enough to teach about this this particular minority topic or this minority topic. We got We got to do more. You see, it's, it's actually bullying and intimidation, and it's stupid. I mean, this whole book is stupid. It's stupid because all these things have been said before and been said for years, and I'm going to get into that. And it's also stupid because. It's the exact thing that the left claims that somehow these boogeyman right-wingers do that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. All right, so let's get into this. This is by Suin Hayes. I guess that's how you say her name. S-U-Y-I-N. Suin Hayes. Few Americans are as surrounded by legend as George Washington is. What a horrible first sentence. As George Washington is. This is in Time Magazine. Think about that. I mean, think about the grammatical problems of that very first sentence. Few Americans are surrounded as legend, or as surrounded by legend as George Washington is. It's like a third grader wrote that. The first president of the United States is renowned as a military genius who led his troops to victory during the Revolutionary War, as a boy who displayed an honest conscience in the famous fable of the cherry tree, and as the owner of what may be History's most famous set of false teeth. <laughs> Some of these legends land firmly in the realm of myth, yet they have persisted in schools and in history books for more than two centuries. Now, they're the inspiration for You Never Forget Your First, a new biography of Washington by historian Alexis Coe. <laughs> so, I mean, just think about the title of this. This is like cosmopolitan trash. Right? You never forget your first. I mean, you might as well just say, uh, we're going to write this up for Cosmo readers. But we've been doing this about George Washington for years. Right? For years. This kind of stuff has been going on about George Washington. Dispelling the myths and legends of George Washington. Reducing him to just the average, ordinary man. And somehow this is supposed to be new. Coe didn't set out to make Washington the subject of her second book, but was driven to the project by her frustration with existing tales about the founding father. Quote, I am a lover of presidential biographies, and yet when I would read one on Washington, I could just never get close to him, she says. She also noticed a trend in common interpretations of the primary sources on Washington's life. As with so many long-established ideas about history, those readings had been developed through what she saw as a very male lens. Okay. So let's just think about this at first. Um, 
She's, she's not setting out to write about George Washington, yet she's going to write about George Washington because everything's written from a very male lens. Now, I'm going to talk about how that's simply not true. Even one of the first great American histories was written by a <clears throat> woman. Oh, she, I, I could almost guarantee that Co has probably never heard of this person before. I don't know. Maybe she has. But if she had, she wouldn't say what she's saying right now. Take descriptions of Washington's mother, the piece continues, Mary, who has gained a reputation as a controlling woman whom historians have described as whining with little maternal warmth. Coe argues that, in fact, Mary Washington shared the independent industrious nature that distinguished her son and that George was greatly affected by the death of his mother to breast cancer in 1789. All right, so let me just start with that particular charge that George Washington, that historians have said horrible things about George Washington and George Washington's mother. And I'm going to go into my own writings on the first president of the United States and what I said about George Washington's mother in 2009. <clears throat> okay. Here's what I said. Quote, this is on page 90 of my Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers. Washington did not have a formal education, though by modern standards he would be considered extremely well-educated. His father and brother were his primary tutors. Washington studied history, theology, and mathematics, including trigonometry, and he had a great interest in drafting, map-making, surveying, and agriculture. His mother instructed him in discipline and morals and helped craft Washington's character. Washington, in time, would become the quintessential Southern gentleman planter. Hmm. That's a sharp... I mean, this is my politically incorrect guidebook, which is a traditional history, by the way. And that's in sharp contrast to saying that Mary's gained a reputation as a controlling woman who historians have described as whining with little maternal warmth. I said she actually helped form Washington's character. So here we go, a straw man. Now, there's a link, and I didn't click on the link on this Time Magazine piece because it's so stupid. But here's a link that uh, supposedly proves that uh, Mary is whining and, uh, you know, mater little maternal warmth. Well, how do we know? I mean, we don't know how warm she was, but we do know that she was instrumental in Washington's character development. Um, and this has been, I mean... Well, look, I, I, for, for this particular biography in, in my politically incorrect guide, you know one of what I read? Douglas Southall Freeman's George Washington. The traditional history of George Washington. The traditional history of George Washington. Uh, so, the straw man appears within very short order. Then this piece continues. With an all-woman team, having worked on New York, on You Never Forget... Your first, from the illustrator to the editor, co-hoped to show that there's still something new to be said about George Washington, and to reach new audiences who might not have thought of themselves as typical readers of presidential biographies. I thought it was possible. History has been told about men, by men, for men, says Co. It was an opportunity to, re to represent and reinvent a genre that's been traditionally thought of as dad history, to make it accessible to everyone. Um, this has been going on for a long time. This has been going on for a long time. And right now she says the goal, that goal is key. And here's the kicker on why she wants to do this. 
Here it is, Time Magazine. Right now, that's the key. We got to do this now. You want to know why? Because I think that it's time in which Americans and which Americans in particular are really wondering about the presidency and wondering why it looks the way it does and how certain precedents were formed, Coe says. That all goes back to George Washington. The entire office was created with him in mind. His choices still shape the presidency. For example, his then surprising decision to to stop at two terms would later be set into law and his belief that partisanship would be the downfall of American politics as expressed at his farewell address in 1796. Proof prescient, she says. Fast forward to 2020? And what is American politics dominated by? An American president inviting foreign influence, benefiting from foreign influence, and asking a foreign country to get involved in American politics, says Co. Historians hate to say, what if this happened differently, or if this person were alive today? However, I say with total confidence that George Washington would absolutely hate Donald Trump. So here it is. The entire reason the book was written in the first place. I wasn't drawn to George Washington, but you know what? I want. I hate Donald Trump, so I'm going to write a history about George Washington. <laughs> there it is. There it is. This is left-wing propaganda masquerading as a serious biography, even though I wouldn't say it's very serious at all. I'd say it's a bunch of garbage. Because everything about that she says has been said before. And I could go, I'm, I'm going to talk about some details here in a minute. But i got to take a quick break. I'll see you back on the other side. See you in just a couple minutes. Let me talk to you for a minute about McClanahan Academy. I know at the beginning of this particular podcast or this video, I talked about McClanahan Academy. But let me go into a little more detail about why I think you should sign up for it and why, and why I created it. First, a little bit about me. I have a Ph.D. in American history from the University of South Carolina, and I've taught in the college environment for 20 years. And I've seen... College students get worse over time. The curriculum get worse. And students are being indoctrinated more than educated now in our higher education system, whether it's high school or college. So I wanted a counterweight to that. And this is why I created the McClanahan Academy. Now, first, it's always free to enroll at McClanahan Academy. You sign up. It's free. And I give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History, when you do sign up. So it's a great way to get an introduction to what I do, but I've got eight courses for sale there and more forthcoming. All of these courses are designed to give you the non-PC version of American history, to take the red pill, so to speak. And I've got two courses in particular, my U.S. History Survey courses, which are designed for homeschoolers. So if you're a homeschooler and you want a good curriculum and Uh, My family has homeschooled all of our children from the beginning, and you want a solid history curriculum. That's why I designed the United States History to 1865 and 1865 to present. You've got enough material. You've got lesson plans. You've got uh, tests. You've got reading material. You've got reading seminars. You've got 36 weeks. If you buy them both, you've got 36 weeks of material, and it can be used as a high school history curriculum. Or if you're just a lifelong learner, you can use it otherwise. But It's a great way to get a real history education devoid of Marxism and progressivism political correctness. So sign up at McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Again, always free to enroll, and I'll see you there. All right, we're back talking about George Washington and this new biography. You never forget your first on George Washington and... um, it's, I mean, look, I wouldn't even put, I wouldn't even buy this book if it was in the bargain bin for a dollar. 
Now, I'd take it if somebody gave it to me for free, uh, but I wouldn't buy it if it was a bargain bin for a dollar. And hopefully most people won't buy it either. I'm sure if you're listening to this, to this uh, podcast, you're not going to buy it. But, I mean, it makes for good fodder, right? So, now, one of these, the last thing I talked about, uh, first of all, all that stuff about Trump, I mean, we know it's been debunked. I mean, but this is Time Magazine buying into a myth that Donald Trump somehow invited foreign influence and has to and benefited from foreign influence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, how ridiculous. How ridiculous. Um, and so would, would the founders like Donald Trump? I mean, look, Trump is authoritarian. Um, so that would be a problem. But I, I mean, we could say that the founders wouldn't like Donald Trump, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George H. W. Bush. I mean, this is just stupid. This is this is what this is is bumper sticker information. The found George Washington would hate Donald Trump. I could have made the same bumper sticker about Barack Obama. I mean, this is how this is how a woman who's supposed to know presidential biographies is so stupid she can't get out of her own way. Look, you want to you want to get the scoop on why George Washington was a bad president? Read my nine presidents who screwed up America, or. Make sure you're a McClanahan Academy subscriber because the next class is going to be really, really good. And as a hint, George Washington is going to be in it. Okay, so uh, now let's continue with this, which is not to say that Co is strictly focused on Washington's time in office. For example, using Washington's letters of advice to his stepdaughter, she compiles a series of love lessons from Washington translated into modern day language. Like I said, this is Cosmo, George Washington. Among them, don't be a reckless flirt. Be realistic and make sure he's really into you. She also sprinkles in charts, representing everything from Washington's frenemies to his military success rate. I know it's nice to take a moment and look at a list or look at a chart, she says. It's okay to admit that it's how we read now and to integrate that into a traditional historical narrative. I mean, because historians have never used charts before. I mean, come on. This is so stupid. I mean, it's, this is laughable. Uh, but wait a second, I thought we were getting rid of dad history, but yet, um, so you're putting a, a, a section in there about advice from a dad to a, this is, this is mansplaining. W wait, this is mansplaining. Why are we, why are you allowing George Washington to mansplain? <sighs> I thought this history was, we were going to get away from history, my men, I mean, Where's the where's the where's the uh, the feminine touch here? And then there are those teeth. They were a reminder, Co says, of these sometimes horrifying truths that can be found when historians interrogate why societies kept repeating myths they know to be untrue. The famous false teeth were not wooden, as has been popularly told. That's not a new discovery. No, gee, it's not. But the myth has stuck around. The teeth were in fact made up of ivory from different animals as well as human teeth. In fact, notes in Washington's ledger indicated that he paid his slaves to provide him with their own teeth, although at well below the market value. But that complicated legacy may be hard for some Americans to reconcile with their image of Washington. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, people have known about this for years. It's not new. And then, of course... In recent years, more attention has been paid to the enslaved people whom Washington held as property. When you actually look at what Mount Vernon was, in addition to a mansion house and a working farm, it was a forced labor camp, says Coe. I mean, Washington's no better than Hitler. 
And this is it. It was a forced labor camp. Washington is Hitler. We can call Washington the hero of the revolution, General Washington or President Washington, but we should also call him master. No, no, no. No, no, no. Don't call him that. Call him Hitler. He inherited 10 slaves from his father at age 11. That number grew to between an estimated 200 and 300 slaves at his Mount Vernon plantation in Virginia over the course of the Revolutionary War and included well over 100 people by the time Washington died in 1799. If anyone could have changed the trajectory of black people in America, it was George Washington, she adds. Nobody had the stature that he had in this country, and had he emancipated his slaves during his lifetime, even in the final act after he had left the presidency, when he had basically nothing to lose, I think it had the opportunity to radically change this country. But he didn't. Oh, gee, I wonder why. Maybe because it was illegal, according to Virginia law, at, at one point, right? I mean, these people are just so dumb. They, they really can't get out of their own way of their own stupidity. Uh, manumission was still allowed, but later on was, was restricted. You couldn't, and, and I know that, I mean, look, um, there are people, John Randolph of Roanoke, for example, had to work around Virginia law to free his slaves. There, this was a difficult legal process to undertake. And by the mere fact that he did emancipate his slaves, after the death of his wife three years later, okay, Martha died in 1802, and why would he want to ensure that his slaves maintained the plantation? Gee, because Martha Washington was still alive, and the plantation needed to survive so that she could have a financial, financial support. But once she's dead, there's no need for the slaves anymore. This is, I mean, common sense. These people have no common sense. Right? We're talking about a working plantation with a labor system that was required to work the plantation. Uh, and, I mean, in, in the 21st century, of course, we don't have slavery. So, we, I mean, this is something that's alien to us. But in the 18th century, plantations ran on slave labor. And in order to keep that plantation viable, slave labor was necessary. Um, I guess you could have said, well, they could have hired all these people out with what money? Um, and, you could, well, they're rich. They're rich. They could have used the money from before. They worked this all this out. Martha Washington was already old and feeble by this point. So, I mean, this is just ridiculously stupid and short-sighted. It's idealistic nonsense. There's no practicality in it. Washington did something great by freeing his slaves in 1802 when his wife died. And, of course, some of the... But, I mean, Martha Washington did some other things, and, of course, the slaves were then transferred some of them. But the fact is, um, those slaves weren't even required to work at, at all. I mean, it's this is, again, bumper sticker history of the worst kind. She says, it may sound difficult to reconciling the hero who was first in the hearts of his countrymen with the plantation owner who denied freedom to the enslaved, and that, Coe says, gets to the heart of why seeing Washington from a new perspective is valuable. It's obvious why the myths would stick so well, but also why it's worth challenging them. The approach I take to Washington, and I hope all of my work, is that you hold two things at once, says Coe. He can be the man who liberated Americans from the British... He can also be the man who is one of the greatest disappointments in, his, in this country regarding slavery. And I say that knowing that it's very, it's a very controversial, th and I say that knowing that it's a very controversial thing to say. 
He is emblematic of this country and all of its contradictions. Okay. So I've read other other interviews from Coe about this particular book. Um, not just on the slavery issue. That's that's the that's the leftist talking point, right? We got we got to bash Washington over slavery. But this has been done for years. In fact, uh, the History Channel produced a series, a documentary series on the presidents. It's called The Presidents, and the Washington, uh, the Washington portion of the series uh, talks about Washington as kind of a dandy, an effete dandy who liked to gamble and design uniforms, and of course was a slave owner. I mean, this this thing was produced twenty years ago. Um, I mean, this is this is not new. Of course, in my own book. Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. I am very critical of George Washington uh, for his handling of executive powers. Right? I mean, Washington can be a hero and be problematic at the same time. Yes, I agree. And some other people have, many other people, in fact, have said these exact same things. So, I mean, this is, this is a ridiculous straw man book that shouldn't even be published. Now, what about this idea that history has been, been written by men, you know, for men? One of the best histor- histories of the United States was written by a woman, Mercy Otis Warren, all the way back in the early 19th century. Mercy Otis Warren was uh, from uh, Massachusetts. And she wrote a wonderful history of the United States, a very Jeffersonian history of the United States, one that is highly worth your time to go out there and read. And it takes the history of the United States up to about the time of of the Jefferson administration. Um, And it's very critical of the early Federalists, including George Washington at times. It's very critical of John Adams. And this is why John Adams remarked, that history shouldn't be written by women, right? So, but here is a woman, Mercy Otis Warren, who, in fact, I wrote about in my politically incorrect guide to real American heroes. And um, I, I think it's it's a valuable part of American history. She wrote a very good history, particularly of the Constitution and what the American War for Independence really was, and how the Federalists, the proponents of the document, distorted the Revolution. This is a woman who was intimately connected with most of the major figures of the founding generation in Massachusetts. She knew them all, and she was highly critical of the John Adams administration. She called him essentially a king. But history is written written, uh, for men, by men, and about men. Well, certainly, it's written about men most of the time because men were the movers and shakers and were doing things that, I mean, look, for most of history... Women didn't have prominent roles in society. And when they did, they were written about. I mean, it's a false assumption to say that women weren't written about. I mean, had anyone ever read anything about Roman history that didn't involve, for example, Cleopatra and the Egyptians? Or how about Empress Theodora and the Byzantine Empire? Did anybody, I mean, anybody read history that didn't involve these things? Or how about Queen Elizabeth? No, no, no. We don't, we don't write about women. Um, somehow, Queen Elizabeth was just an afterthought. I mean, we only have an entire state at, named after her. In fact, the entire North American continent was named after her. But no, no, no. These people didn't like women at all. Or how about when you look at religious history, the history of Mary, for example. Um, 
I mean, this is this is a garbage assertion that men didn't write about women. Of course they did. When women were important in movers and shakers in society, they wrote about them. And they wrote about them well. It's it's a false premise to think that women it's a, it, again it's another straw man that women were involved and that women didn't partake in writing history. They did. I, I think that Mercy Otis Warren, again, if you want to read a very good early history of America, you, everyone always focuses on the Adams family and the histories that were written by members of the Adams family. That's John Adams' family. Uh, but Mercy Otis Warren wrote a very good, and I think one of the best early American histories. It's, it's really, really good, which is why I included her in that politically incorrect guide to real American heroes. But, of course, I only write history, I'm a man, and I write history about men, you know, for men. Supposedly, even though uh, lots of women have read my books and like them. So I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, this this entire premise, you never forget your first, is just a bunch of garbage to sell books. Nothing wrong with trying to do a little marketing and genius marketing. I think, look, that's they're going to a target audience that supposedly is going to be shocked to know that learn things that everybody already knew to begin with. But uh, I don't know. It ho- ho- I hope it sells her tens of books to have this uh, to have this um, marketing uh, program out here. But that's my take on this new uh, this new book. You never forget your first by Alexis Coe and George Washington. Um, don't buy it; it's a waste of your time. And uh, if you want you know real history of George Washington, go read Douglas Southall Freeman's biography of George Washington in six volumes. It's still the best. Um, just like his biography of Lee is still the best. Um, and have a good time reading a very solid biography of Washington. And of course, if you want more Washington, you want my perspective on Washington, get my Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers and my Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America for a balanced view of George Washington, the hero, and of course, the man who created some problems for the presidency. All right. Hope you enjoyed the show, The Brian McClanahan Show. I took off last week because some personal issues... Um, don't, I'm, there might be some disruptions at times with the show with some of the things that are going on, but I'm still going to try to keep my twice a week schedule. Hopefully I can. If you don't see it, it's because there are some things going on in uh, family life that I have to take care of. But, um, anyway, I will see you next time for the Brian McClanahan show. See you then. (laughs) 